passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome everybody to rewind. Uh, my name is Wei Ting, and at least for a couple more episodes, our, our, um, I don't know, what do you, what do you call this, like, a our showcase, perhaps, of several guest hosts in lieu of John Pollock's absence will continue, uh, and as we had last week, I'm very pleased to be joined again by Nate Milton. Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Brother Ting, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for uh, Raw this week. I'm, I'm, I'm filled up. I'm, I'm fueled by tryptophan waiting, which we might talk about here in a second, but I, I am ready to uh, get to this review, my brother. Your your Monday night experience added, um, well, first of all, how was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, th- Thanksgiving was good this year. It was different, obviously, as I'm sure it was for most of the uh, American listeners out there uh, in that, you know, it was a smaller gathering this year, basically just my myself, my parents, my sister, and my nieces. Um, and, you know, we, we tried to make it as normal as possible, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's different, but I think the important things way are, you know, food, family, and fellowship. Like if you got those three things working, regardless of everything else, then, you know, it's, it's a good day because as I mentioned on Twitter, like there are a lot of people that didn't even wake up to see Thursday coming mm-hmm. through this year so the fact that you know it's not perfect it's not ideal but the fact that we were able a lot of us were able to have some kind of semblance of a thanksgiving like that's that's a blessing in 2020 the positivity and the optimism i think is exactly what people need on, <laughs> on a monday so thank you for that nate uh, hold on real quick wait let me tell you what wasn't positive though and this is okay. this is something that we might you know i, I hope Somewhere, uh, Andrew Thompson is listening because I want to pass this along to the younger generation. Like, yo, your hatred and your cynicism, that's not needed, fam. Because here's what happened, Wei Ting. I sent out a tweet on Thanksgiving morning because I was watching the Macy's parade and Hamilton did their little presentation. And I was like, oh, that was cool. You know, I, I like when that music hit. And I don't know what happened, Wei. Maybe it's the Ham fam, the, the Hamilton fandom out there. But that was the biggest tweet I ever tweeted. You know, I had like, 15,000 uh, likes or whatever. I, I don't even know the numbers, but it, it was it, like maybe, what? maybe, maybe what? a thousand five hundred. Like they was, they was on that tweet wave. And so I told my niece, I was like, look at this. Like I'm doing these numbers on Hamilton. And she looked at me waiting. She didn't give me a pat on the back. She didn't say that's great. Uncle Nate. She said, okay, but what's your IG numbers looking like? 
<laughs> and so what I want to say to the young people out there is you got to embrace these small victories in life and stop being so cynical all the time. Because, yes, I was like, okay, we, we're not talking about Instagram right now. We're talking about this Hamilton tweet. It means nothing to a younger generation if it's not on Instagram, <laughs> it sounds like. But you're, you're not kidding, Nate, because your tweet about Hamilton, <laughs> which is essentially just... It's a gif of yeah. Um, that's all it is. <laughs> what, I, I forget, uh, Aaron Burr. Yep. dancing and saying, "Me when that beat for the Schuler sisters dropped." <laughs> <laughs> this thing has one hundred. Sorry, one hundred and eleven retweets and fifteen hundred likes. So you're <laughs> a big deal, not just with the Macy's Day Parade, but with Hamilton. So congratulations to you. A big weekend, Nate. But. Uh, you alluded to it uh, earlier. We have another American joining us on the line. And, of course, right now I want to bring in Andrew Thompson. Andrew, how was your Thanksgiving? Was oh, it oh, as exciting as Nate's? Hold on. I, I just want to know how I, I get looped in when Nate needs disrespect to him. That, 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 that's just what I want to know. Come on, Nate. I'm, I'm just trying to say, Andrew, the younger generation, like your age bracket, like the kids that grew up watching Planet 51 with The Rock. Like, yeah, sometimes y'all a little too cynical out here, my brother. <laughs> What's good, Nate? What's good, Wade? How y'all oh, feeling? Man? Good to talk to you again, brother. It's always, always good, man. Always a pleasure. How you doing, Way? I'm doing not bad. You tell me, man. Like, do people not respect Inst- uh, what Twitter numbers as much as Instagram numbers these days? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I, have no, I couldn't tell you, man. I couldn't tell you. But Andrew's, I, but Andrew, I, Andrew too busy writing news stories to be worried about these numbers. But <laughs> <laughs> but but way but way uh, Nate, what I can tell you guys about is the news that I mm. uh, oh that okay, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, th- did you guys get the chance to see um Liv Morgan's documentary that came out over the weekend or catch a snippet of it? Watch it today. It was wonderful. Ooh, yeah, okay. it, it, I haven't it, had a chance to check it out yet. It, it, it's it's solid, Nate. It's solid. It was some it's it, it's some positives in there, and it's some it's like some 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 glaring negatives as well that people kind of pointed out. Let me start with the positives, of course. Like, of course, Liv, she had a great story. Um, you know, she I'm going to describe it as like a, a a very rough upbringing, but you know, you could categorize that have you made. You know, she 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 had some rough times growing up. And, you know, she chased her dream. She made it happen. Uh, she got a lot of fans backstage. I think that's obvious. Like Paul Heyman. Sami Zayn, Bailey, Dakota Kai, Amber Moon, very well liked by our colleagues, and it's you know very obvious. And I, you know WWE, I think we all can agree that WWE they 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 real hit or miss with a lot of stuff, but like they don't miss with these documentaries. Like none of them, they they always hit with the documentaries. But um, mm-hmm. like one, one one of the big takeaways that people kind of pointed out was um you know WWE kind of I, I would say missing the mark. With, with Liv Morgan and the, I, I guess the opportunities they could have slotted her in. And like one, one of the things like, it's just like the, the, the mix-ups and creative, it seems like, like um, I'm, a way I'm sure you saw the part when, you know, she was, um, uh, her, her and Ember Moon was supposed to have a match and, you know, it got canceled like 30 seconds before they go out. But then it later got explained uh, that, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the reason they got pulled because Vince McMahon didn't want her to be in her final form in, in a dark match uh, with, you know, which I think made sense. But another one was like, she was on the road, for like five or six months, like they had her renting out cars, renting out hotels just to come to the show and not do anything. You know what I'm saying? And then she went, she didn't know if she was doing anything. That's why she kept coming to the show. So it was just like little stuff like that, that, you know, people kind of pointed out. And, you know, I, it, it was, it was like uh, overall, of course, like just speaking on the documentary, like it was a great documentary, but like, you know, I just wanted you guys thoughts on just, you know, 
Talent's talent's really not knowing what they're doing. I mean, we've heard that plenty of times. I don't think that's nothing new as far as that, but like just to like actually see it in this in in that type of form was different. It 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 was a story of several false starts. And when they announced that there was a Liv Morgan, you know, TV special, I mean it was a forty eight something documentary. 48 minute something documentary. You know, when they announced it, I was like, man, what are they going to do that documentary on? Like, what has she done over the past year? But like, that's what made the documentary so interesting. This is the story of the year plus of a talent who has just been fucked around in this system. Mm. Like she's been perfectly healthy the entire time. Uh, you know, uh, created a great bond with this group called, called the ride squad. They were broken up for no reason at all no payoff with the split and then she was brought to smackdown not used for several months uh no like had a match with charlotte flair that and then was never seen from again um another false start before getting drafted to raw where they apparently had some plans for her but that never came to fruition and then the whole lesbian angle which Paul Heyman yeah. was like so ecstatic about she's like <laughs> he's like whoa they did great you couldn't have asked for a better job from them um, I I have to disagree. That was a terrible angle, and of course that was dropped too. So I mean, it was like incredibly frustrating uh, for her because she's somebody who you've we've seen go through this entire thing, and the fact that they actually had a documentary crew following her around, around obviously at the beginning with high hopes that they would you know be following somebody who probably would be a future champion at some point. Um, instead, they ended up documenting you know the 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 weird kind of year plus. Of like you know one of many talents in that system who just kind of get lost. Mm. I, I I agree with Andrew Way in the fact that like regardless of what you think about the WWE overall, when it comes to producing these documentaries or these feature pieces, like the production team is always on point. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, I'm actually gonna you know take some time this week, which this is a sentence I didn't think I was gonna say this week, Way Tang. I'm gonna take an hour out of my of my, of my week uh, <laughs> to watch this Liv Morgan documentary and and. I, I like. I think just by hearing you guys describe it, like this is not an experience that is unique to just live. Like there's yeah. there's stories up and down the roster, you know, in NXT on the main roster of people that are talented, but for whatever reason, things just haven't quite clicked. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to watching this. Uh, and maybe Andrew Thompson, like, what would be a real Christmas present for me? is if they did one of these chronicles or one of these 24-7s or one of these documentaries on Tino Sabatelli. Because I think that's <laughs> oh, the story that the people need no, out here. <laughs> no, you, no, you want to know it's crazy, Nate. Like, I, I, I know like he, like he, I, I know people, when they hear that, they probably think Nate joking. But, like, t- 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 Tino had, like, a crazy story. Like, he had... um. Mm-hmm. He had a surgery, and then like I guess like mm-hmm. they 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 had like the chip or something that they used to like you know take take out certain stuff, and one of the things fell inside his arm, dude. Mm. Like, and then like he had to like have a whole another couple of surgeries after that, like just because of that one mishap. Like he he's had like a rough little little stint. In, like in, I know, yeah. Like like people think I'm joking, Andrew, and then I'm I'm halfway joking, but like there's <laughs> a, there's an interesting story there. This dude that was a pretty solid NFL player, yeah, uh, and and making that transition and what happens when things don't go right. Like, there's a story in there that you could tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No lie, no lie. You go ahead, way. Well, although I mean, well, first of all, like uh, much of the story was told um, in this uh, Dan Matha interview, yeah. interview podcast that mm. he did about seven months ago. Which actually, Andrew, uh, if you just Google it, Andrew has uh, plenty uh, an article about it. Boom. But um, 
Nice I was plug. Say, nice plug, Wade. Well, thank you. But, I mean, you know, like the the next chapter in Tino Sabatella's story, I think will will all continue to be really interesting. You know, after um a weird stint, I would say in AEW, and then yeah. perhaps back, uh, yeah. maybe in the future in the WWE, maybe not. And, and one last thing on the live documentary, I was always like curious, and where you mentioned uh, the Paul Heyman uh, get, give it like pitching or the idea. I, I'm I'm curious to how he pitched that to all parties involved because I know he told Miro. Uh, he said he said that during a Chris Van Vliet interview that Paul Heyman told him that this storyline could possibly headline at WrestleMania, mm. and, he be- and he believed him. So, mm. <laughs> so, 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 I, I'm just, I'm just curious as to what Heyman told Lana and Bobby Lashley because we, we, I mean, we know what he told Liv and and, and, and Miro. Um, I have no idea, man. <laughs> Jeez, that was such a weird time, and I can't believe that was all this year. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy. Feels like forever ago. I mean. I don't know. I, I'm definitely sure that that would make a worst of uh, show. <laughs> I have no doubt about it. Man, but this year is just... It, looking back at wrestling this year is just going to be such a weird process. I, I'm not really... I don't even know how, how that'll go. And and speaking of weird, uh, I think this is going to be a conversation that we're going to do uh, quite, quite quite a little deep dive on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, to, uh, to the, well, over the weekend, uh, everybody knows Bruce Pritchard. He's the uh, executive director of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, the latest episode of his podcast covered the 2005 Survivor Series pay-per-view. Now, as you all may remember, that was the pay-per-view where Vince McMahon decided that he wanted to drop the N-word. Uh, and, you know, it, it, basically Pritchard uh, was asked about it and, you know, Kudos to Conrad Thompson for kind of pressing him on the issue to get him to speak about it. And basically Pritchard's response was um, it, it doesn't hold up well. And, uh, you know, it, it was a different time, different mentality. And pe- people thought differently back then. And Nate, Nate I, I wanted to kind of let you take the reins on this thing. Like hearing Pritchard, like basically he, he didn't really like he, he addressed it, but he didn't really. He kind of danced around. I mean, and then him being a current WWE employee, like, you know, he ain't going to say nothing bad right. about <laughs> Like it, 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 that, that, I, that I wasn't expecting that listening to it, but like hearing him instead of just coming out and just denouncing it completely, it was wrong. Instead of kind of tiptoeing around the whole, you know, it, it you know, it, it was a wrong. It was a different place, different time. Like, mm. do, do you think that he could have worded that better, or like it, it was he just in a weird position as far as him being at the level he is in WWE? And do you, and also do you kind of see? a similarity into what he said versus how AJ Styles responded when he got called out by CM Punk, but not speaking out about racial issues when, when asked about it in an interview. Mm. Well, first of all, shout out to uh, brother Conrad for asking the question or, or pressing uh, Bruce on the question. Cause I, again, like I, I love Conrad, but I don't think that's a question he would have asked maybe a year or so ago. So maybe, <laughs> you know, working with the, uh, the, the good folks over at wrestling with stereotypes, like maybe that has kind of broadened that brother's horizons. And so, I think this this is different, though, when, when you bring up what happened with AJ Styles and CM Punk, Andrew. Um, so I'll speak first to this particular incident. And even at the time, like even back watching it at the time, it didn't make any sense. Like for one, like that shouldn't be a word used on a wrestling program. But the caveat to that is, and, and it's kind of how I felt about the Booker T Triple H feud way. Like if you're going to use that word or use sentiments like that on your program, it has to pay off with something. It has to mean something. It can't just be a throwaway joke, which is what this Vince McMahon thing ended up being. And so, like, I've never uh, liked 
that use uh, of the word. Like, not, not like I'm out here with my top five favorite uses of the N-word in media. I don't have that list, folks. Uh, I can't even think of them off the top of my head. Uh, but I do feel like, yeah, like Bruce isn't going to say anything about it. And as much as I would have liked to hear him, you know, kind of condemn it, you know, he's not going to mess up the bag. And I, right. I, I, don't, I, I don't like I kind of understand where he's coming from, because if I win that position, first of all, I probably wouldn't even be in that position for reasons that we're not even going to get into. Andrew Thompson. <laughs> but if I was in that position, I probably would dance around the issue as well, because I don't want to mess up my good gig here with the WWE. Uh, but then real quick on the AJ Styles thing, my issue with AJ not, you know, speaking up, you know, when everybody was talking about Black Lives Matter and the aftermath of George Floyd's murder is, like, if you don't want to say anything, then that's fine. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. But if you are publicly called out mm. by a colleague, like, I, I, I think then the onus is on you to at least clarify your position, clarify your stance. And so, mm. yeah, that, that was my big issue with AJ. Like, if you don't want to talk about it, fine. You know, just en- enjoy your little piece of the world, which is probably flat. Just enjoy it. Uh, but, if, but if somebody directly asks you about it, then yeah. Like, I think you owe it to the people to say, like, this is my position, either yay or nay, and, you know, this is, this is how I feel about it. Yeah, um, you know, as far as like Bruce Pritchard's comment, I, again, I haven't listened to the interview, so I'm only going by, you know, what your transcription, Andrew. So let me just state that off the bat. But um, it seems like his... <laughs> He he seemed to say that, okay, so according to, to your transcription, you sit there and you watch some of the things on television of men. This is referring, I suppose, to like other things. Uh, so he, this is him referring to the Alfred Hitchcock hour. Yeah. <laughs> he says, so he's watching reruns of an old show, basically. And he says, you sit there and you watch some of the things on television of men just basically slapping the shit out of women back and forth as if it was just another day at the office. And it's just time has a way of making things cringeworthy. I don't know when the Alfred Hitchcock show would have aired. Okay, I'm going to Google that right now. Alfred Hitchcock hour. Um, I mean, whatever, whatever, whenever it would have been, that would have been unacceptable. Okay, it 1962. <laughs> this s- scene was aired in 2005. So I don't know what world like he was referring to where in 2005 that was a good idea, but suddenly 15 years later it's not. It was not a good idea in 2005. I don't think it would have been a good idea in 1985, 1975. So, I, um, again, I totally understand what your justifications to the man works for this guy. It's it's not – I don't really go to, like, you know, something to wrestle for necessarily, like, neutral, unbiased, you know, perspective on right. – on like WWE, it's it's more so really interesting stories about like yeah. you know how how they produce the shows. Um, he's sort of in an uncomfortable situation, and uh, you know, short of like completely condemning it and doing something completely unlikely for somebody who's a current employee, I I think there would I, I don't think I would have been happy for with any explanation. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think he. I mean, I I, I, I can. But no, you know, I'm not even gonna say I understand because I'm not even gonna try to. But I, I, but like, it, it's just like one of those things where like he 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 like really tiptoed around, and I, like I don't think it would have been no issue for him to just you know come out and just say I, I I don't agree with that. But at the same time, it's like you know he worked for the man and very close with him, so he's not gonna say anything bad about Vince, and he ain't gonna mess up that money. And I and then at that, I don't think he can talk about the current product on the podcast. I think that's like something that he can't do completely. So I, I wouldn't expect that anyway from 
from, from one Bruce picture. But 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 more on a positive note, folks. We, we of course we got some positive topics. The, the the good man Leon Ruff and Aja Smith got married today, and this, this is a great story because back in back in March, Leon Ruff was doing extra talent, uh, extra work for WWE, bunch of extra work. The man got signed, won the North American title, got a spot on the takeover card this weekend, and now this man is engaged. All of this happened in the span of like eight or nine months. What a hell of a year for Leon Ruff, Way, and Nate. Completely, 100%. It's like one thing after another. I mean, I go from not hearing about this guy in the news at all to uh, him get winning the championship, him getting engaged, and most importantly, being the fifth uh, member, oh, fourth member of my Survivor Series <laughs> team. I don't know why I brought Kennel- this up. The kennel from hell. I mean, walk right into that, Andrew. I don't know why I said that. Should have chosen another news item, man. <laughs> no, but great, great news for for the both of them. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's always good to hear stories like this, Andrew. Particularly in in this year, where most of the news that you hear, whether it's wrestling related or whether it's out in the world of politics or dealing with this virus, like most of the news has been negative. So, uh, like I've been very uh, proud of this young brother, and, and like. Honestly, like he's add. I know it's a comedy gimmick, but he's added so much more interest to that mm-hmm. North American title chase for me. And so, yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they pay off the match at Takeover. And yeah, congratulations to him and Agent. Like that's that's a great story. Here we go. And, and lastly, before we wrap it up for the new segment, uh, we got the AA, NXT and AEW ratings were in from uh, last week's uh, pre pre Thanksgiving show. Uh, NXT outdrew AEW in a very very, 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 very close race. Uh, seven hundred and twelve thousand to seven hundred and ten thousand on the viewership front. Uh, AEW won the demos that night. Uh, just, just a quick guess for you guys, like who you think is going to walk away with the ratings this week? Both got big shows. AEW has their winner is coming show with Kenny Omega and John Moxley for the AEW World Title that's headlined, and then uh, NXT is uh, this is their uh, go home show for Takeover War Games. So, w- w- which uh, show do you guys think? Just a quick guess off the top of your heads, which uh, show do you think might draw, might outdraw the other uh, this week? Well, there's no question to me that it's probably going to be AEW. I mean, you know, even though NXT is leading up to a War Games like pay-per-view special, mm-hmm. AEW is presenting this episode of Dynamite as if it is a pay-per-view special, mm-hmm. headline with the biggest match that they've ever had on free television. So I think it would be a disappointment if this, to me, didn't hit. Even if it hits 900,000, I think it would be a disappointment. You know, mm-hmm. like that to me is like the 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 more interesting kind of like predicting game. Like how high would AEW have to be? I mean, and of course, again, they are giving away the biggest thing that they've ever given away on TV. Yeah, I would agree with Way. Uh, first of all, to uh, Cody and, and the rest of the EVPs over at AEW, don't listen to those numbers. Pay three million dollars out of pocket for a recount. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> there's some votes. There's some viewers lying around here or there that were missed. Uh, when they did the initial count. But uh, uh, all jokes aside, I, I think it will be AEW because, like Way said, this is an actual uh, big pay-per-view-like event uh, on, on uh, TNT. And, like, just from viewing my Twitter, again, like, I don't know how much Twitter counts into it. I'm not out here checking for AEW on IG, so I don't know what their numbers <laughs> are looking like. But on Twitter, like, most of the conversation I've seen has leaned towards talking about the uh, AEW show and less towards takeover at this point. So I think uh, AEW is probably going to bounce back with a really strong number this week. There you have it. That's all I got for the news this week, folks. 
Andrew Tawesome, thank you as always. We'll hear hear from you one more time this coming Wednesday for Rwanda Dynamite. But if you want to keep up with all of Andrew's work, he's just working so, so hard doing everything uh, at postwrestling.com. So go check for his work. Long, long updates, like almost every on a daily basis right now, as well as all the other news uh, throughout the day. So thank you very much, Andrew, for your continued really hard work. No doubt, man. Peace, Nate and uh, Wayne. Have a good show, man. Andrew Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling y'all. Andrew Thompson is the LeBron James of wrestling podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and what, what I mean by that is we in the Christmas season now, way, And every Christmas, I'm sure the listeners out there, they seen that commercial where the people are having a Christmas party and LeBron James come through the window with some Sprite and he's like, hey, want a Sprite cranberry? And that's, that's Andrew Thompson right now on your wrestling feeds, on, on your Twitter, on your podcast. You just minding your business. And then Andrew Thompson comes through the window like, hey, want some news and that's that's why this young brother going places so andrew thompson go have yourself a cranberry sprite enjoy the rest of the night and we we always appreciate you brother all right peace nate i'm gonna catch y'all man be easy show's over like i don't know how we follow up with with that but man we shall try um thank you very much andrew and and i'm you know i i hope to hear you two together on the air again very soon yeah nate that, that bush being thompson episode was fun yeah, yeah. Um, definitely more of that, hopefully, in the future. But uh, on the post-wrestling schedule this particular week, we have a huge week because we have the return of John Pollock to mm. the post-wrestling airwaves uh, after taking a very, very deserved layoff for the birth of his child. John makes his return tomorrow, not on one of our shows, but on a on a, on a show where he will be interviewing Dave Meltzer. That's right. John Pollock and Dave Meltzer on the very same show. John will be talking to Dave about the Wrestling Observer's new Wrestling Observer Yearbook 97 is what it's called. So um, this is Dave's new book, I believe, chronicling, you know, several major events and one of the most important years in professional wrestling history. So hear all about that. Uh, as well, Wednesday, it's our usual lineup of Up Next. As Andrew mentioned, it's a big show for NXT and Rewind to Dynamite. Uh, our friends at Up Next will be talking about the go-home edition of uh, uh, ta- uh, what is it? Uh, NXT heading into TakeOver. And me and Bruce Lord will be returning to talk about Winter is Coming mm. on that edition of Rewind to Dynamite. And then on Friday, we've got Rewind to SmackDown live this will be the official show where john pollock and i will reunite and we'll also reunite john with all of you listeners uh who are members of the post wrestling cafe because that show of course is live i got some confusion on on our uh forum today somebody thought that why did Wei ting suddenly make rwanda smackdown only on zoom it's not just on Zoom. It's on Zoom, but it's always available as it it's always been on the Post Wrestling Cafe RSS feed. So subscribe yes. to that. You get the show as normal. But if you want to actually listen to it live, if you want to interact with the chat room, if you want to call in, then you join us on the Zoom link that we send out at 1015 Eastern. So that's Friday. And then on the weekend, Sunday, WH Park returns with the long and winding railroad. He will be joined by Brian Elliott, and they'll be talking about Toshiaki Kawada taking on Akira Tawe from April 12th, 1993. That's April 12th, 1993. Kawada versus Tawe. If you want to get the jump on that, you can uh, YouTube that, and you can find a link. Uh, uh, maybe Official or unofficial, I can't really say, but you can find it uh, on the internet. And then on Sunday evening, it is NXT TakeOver War Games, and so that means... 
post show with Davey and Braden on the Up Next feed, but also a watch along throughout the show, throughout the evening on the Up Next YouTube or the Up Next Twitch channel, which from what I understand, Davey's been very active in lately, playing video games uh, seemingly on a daily basis. So you can find that at twitch.tv slash podcast. So that's a plug for everything that's coming up at postwrestling.com. Sounds like a lot, a lot is going on here at at uh, sort of post wrestling. So I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope everybody out there is checking out the podcast. Maybe we got some newfound listeners, a new new traffic this week. Way in the midst of that review, I hope uh, the folks are enjoying the content. I, I hope that uh, our our new uh, newest listener managed to find a link to uh, Rewinded <laughs> SmackDown over the past week. But anyway. Uh, Let's get into this episode of Raw, Nate. Um, thank you. I want to thank you uh, right now once again, actually, for joining us uh, for so many of these weeks, sacrificing your your Mondays, you know, fighting that um, that that uh, itis from your your turkey. <laughs> Tell us about your viewing experience of Raw tonight. Uh, see, wait. Here's what happened. So what what had happened was again. Had a little bit of turkey left over today. Made a nice turkey sandwich this evening, and and uh, you know, people that eat turkey, they know that there's a there's a critical element in in turkey, uh, an ingredient called uh, tryptophan, and tryptophan gives you the itis. And for those that don't know about the itis, it means once you eat, you 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 you, you settle in for a nice nap. And so, I ate probably around five. You know, uh, surfed the internet for a little bit, settled down, sat on the couch, and when I woke up, way it was nine fifteen. And I'm like, what? Why does nine fifteen sound like I should be doing something right now, waiting? And then I was like, "Oh, that's right. I was supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be watching Raw tonight for this review." And so, uh, yeah, like I missed the whole first hour and fifteen minutes of Raw tonight. But again, like I feel like Wave just going back to Twitter. I was able to catch up with some of the uh, occurrences from what happened on Raw, and and so. Uh, hopefully my, my missing that first hour won't uh, leave the, the, the postmarks out there feeling like they're not getting this full review. Well, I think, Nate, you've actually managed to stumble on the optimal viewing experience for Raw because <laughs> you ended up having a burst of energy for the rest of the show. Yes, uh, as opposed to like trying to run those last five meters and, and run through the tape, like I woke up energized and so yeah like I, I had some energy tonight and and so I'm, I'm feeling uh feeling good for this review way well i had the exact opposite uh interaction <laughs> i would say i started this show i mean i've been up since like you know uh 7 a.m this morning so i was like started the show at the normal time eight o'clock i'm watching it by the third hour i mean i was i didn't eat turkey last night but i was already feeling the tryptophan coming into my system coursing <laughs> through my veins i was like dozing off so maybe you'll have to fill in uh, at the end of the show, as I uh, maybe feel, you know, inform you of the opening of it. But uh, together, we shall piece together a coherent review. I shall. That's what, that's what makes a good tag team way. Like you know, you started off the match, and then I got the hot tag around nine fifteen, and and we can we can uh, see it through to the end. Well, excellent. So, raw, a moment of bliss starts off the show, and her guest, Alexa's guest tonight, is Randy Orton. Alexa asked Randy if he thought about why The Fiend attacked him at the end of Raw last week. Randy says he's known Bray Wyatt for a long time, but he's never been introduced to The Fiend. They have a lot in common, but the main difference between the two of them is that The Fiend wears his pain on his exterior, while Randy's pain is kept bottled up so he can blend in. He hears voices, and The Fiend hears voices too, but The Fiend's voices are Randy's. 
Sorry. It's just it's <laughs> difficult re- recapping some of this. Years ago, Randy had to figure out what, what Bray Wyatt's vulnerability was. And once he found out, he burned it to the ground. So now he needs to find the fiend's vulnerability. And he looks at Alexa and he says, it looks like I have, don't you think? Alexa then stares Randy down and asks Randy if the voices in his head are telling him lines. And then she asks, who's manipulating whom? At this point, the lights switch off and then they come back on and the fiend has arrived. And Randy suddenly has Alexa in his arms. The fiend motions for Randy to hand Alexa back to him. And Randy slowly makes the exchange like, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, like a, what is it? Like a, like a hostage situation. Host- exactly. Like a hostage situation. <laughs> so Randy slowly hands Alexa back and then he sneaks away out of the ring as if he had won saying, who's laughing now? Uh, and the announcers <laughs> kind of confirm that, oh, it appears Randy has indeed found the fiend's weakness. So, I mean, I know you didn't watch this, Nate, but you, 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 I suppose, might have heard about it on Twitter. Like, what, what is the, what is the sort of like the casual fan scrolling <laughs> through Twitter's reaction to a segment like this? Oh, and see, Twitter didn't even do justice to the the Wei Tang recap. Like that, <laughs> that like just brought it to life, Wei. Um, like I thought, like a lot of what I saw on Twitter about this segment was mixed, which seems par for the course with these segments. Like, I think you're going to have a contingency of the audience that really is into this and, and digs it, and then you're going to have a contingency of the audience that this does nothing for. Uh, and so, like, just hearing you recap it, like, I, I, I'm sure Randy put on a decent performance because Randy, Randy's usually good when he's kind of playing this methodical character, uh, and I'm sure Bray and Alexa did their parts well. I just don't know if the story is connecting the way the company thinks it is with the majority of the audience. Any fiend storyline where like you enter any sort of realm like this is, is going to be somewhat divisive, you know, but what I can say from watching Randy here, I thought Orton was pretty good at spelling it out for the viewer, like in pretty simple terms, what sort of, you know, the story is here. Mm. Orton defeated Bray Wyatt in the past by, finding his weakness in Sister Abigail and, you know, burning Sister Abigail to to death, I suppose. And now he intends on doing the same with the Fiend. And he thinks that the vulnerability is Alexa Bliss. So this scene, I think, was made to prove to Randy that, in fact, the Fiend does care about Alexa Bliss enough for him to be his vulnerability. So, um, but what makes it, I would say, a little bit more interesting and maybe even a bit more divisive for some people who are might be looking for some, less, something less... I don't know, horror movie and more straight up, you know, professional wrestling sports. They were trying to indicate that I think Alexa is simply manipulating Randy in all of this. And the fiend is manipulating Randy into thinking that, oh, you think you found his vulnerability? Well, you're wrong. So uh, they have three, like what, two more weeks, I would say. TLC is three weeks away. So they got two more episodes to to continue the story. So there's definitely going to be more to come. But um I am going to give this a chance. I think Orton this time around will have hopefully learned from some of the things that really dragged the last few down um, and that maybe the writers will have learned about what worked with the fiend with, mm. uh, in the past. And hopefully this time the story will be a lot more easier to understand. And I would say from the first chapter that we saw tonight, I, I, I was into it. Yeah. And I think again, like, like I said last week, I think injecting Alexa into all of this, has made it better. And like, there's, there's a part of me that thinks like maybe 
maybe at the end of all of this, Alexa is the mastermind. Like mm. maybe she she got sucked into this thing, but mm. she is now she's manipulating everybody. She's manipulating Randy. She's manipulating Bray, even though he doesn't know it. And maybe Alexa is the real villain out of all of this. That's that's a very interesting possibility. So all throughout the episode, they're promoting Drew McIntyre returning uh, after the Survivor Series. Um, they show highlights of Drew's 2020, including winning the Royal Rumble. And then we get our Symphony of Destruction match. I'm, I'm kind of sorry you actually missed this one, Nate. Because this is, of course, Elias' signature match. Basically a hardcore match, um, like inside a Long and McQuaid, or I guess a guitar center for you Americans. <laughs> so Elias intercepts Jeff Hardy's violin dive with a big knee. <laughs> he slams Jeff's head into a grand piano. Um, but then the grand piano starts to shake, and so he lifts the cover, and it's our truth hiding inside. So the rest of the 24-7 live crew come down the ring. They start giving chase to him. Gulak, Metalik, and Dorado all get smashed with intru- instruments by Elias and Jeff as we go to commercial break. No other reason for them to, he- to be here but that. Elias sends Jeff into a guitar in the corner. Then he takes three guitar picks and shoves them in between his fingers like a kid pretending to be Wolverine. He's a guitar pick Wolverine. Like a Wolverine laced with guitar picks on his skeleton. And then he starts punching Jeff with his guitar pick fists. And he starts to drive a pick into Jeff's face. Elias goes to knee Jeff against the gong, but Hardy moves away. Jeff goes for a whisper in the wind, but Elias strikes him in the air with a guitar. He rips the neck from this acoustic guitar and then attempts to stab Jeff Hardy with it. But Jeff moves away, and Elias ends up jabbing the neck of this guitar into a speaker, which electrocutes him. (laughs) Why is the speaker plugged in, Way? Why why is the speaker plugged in? (laughs) Um... Well, that's a great question. I'm also like curious to know like how much metal was in that neck of that guitar because I don't think it was strong. I guess it was, might have been strong, but man, like, um. Anyway, it was it was a miracle. It was a miracle that all these things happened to happen. Somebody decides <laughs> to plug in these speakers. Um, he happened to just touch enough metal on that guitar neck to get shocked. Anyway, Jeff attacks Elias with the double bass, lays him on a table stacked with the violins, and I'm hoping you saw this one, Nate. Jeff Hardy climbs up to the top turnbuckle and delivers one of the most dangerous swanton bombs I've ever seen Jeff Hardy perform. He dives off the top turnbuckle, lands his body onto Elias through a table on the outside, but then also lands the back of his head directly on the bottom step of the ring stairs right below him. So basically delivered like a great headbutt to the stairs using the back of his head. It was, man, I was extremely concerned for Jeff Hardy. I mean, seeing online, there was there seemed to be a lot of the same as well. Um, man, it's just, I don't know. It's like, I feel like Jeff Hardy by this point would recognize some of the, like the big risks involved in something like this. And, you know, something as simple as moving a ring steps away would, would have, man, would have like entered his mind. But um, as somebody who, you know, I know you, Nate, can appreciate the value of, of musical instruments. As as I do, I hated this match. As a as a man who hates really stupid stunts in wrestling, I hated this match. 
And I think as a man who has seen more than his fair share of WWE plunder matches, I also hated this match. I mean, mm. there was really no difference between this and any other WWE plunder match except for a plugged-in speaker that shocked Elias. Um, and then a really scary spot at the end. So I hope Jeff Hardy is fine after this. Yes, me, me too, Way. Uh, like, I can't, now I kind of want to go back and watch this whole match to just see the, the, the car crash, see the, the train wreck that it was. Uh, but yeah, like this... This type of thing. And and again, like I'm I'm not a WWE right right away, so I can't, you know, tell these people how to do their job. But if you've got all this fancy musical equipment, instead of having this feud between Jeff and Elias, why not make the story that Jeff coming off of Survivor Series is like, hey man, I really like the concept of teamwork. Maybe I should form a band. And so now for the next eight weeks, way, we've got Jeff trying to convince Elias and, and maybe Truth and, and a couple other people to join his band. And that's our story going forward. Like, Jeff has to beat these people in a series of matches. And if Jeff wins, they join the band. And if Jeff loses, the band is finished. Uh, I love it, first of all. Uh, he can reform Pearl Oxygen. Yes. You know, <laughs> using, using wrestlers. I think that's brilliant. Uh, a battle of the bands is ultimately, I think, what we should be heading towards, mm. you know, on a pay-per-view uh, at TLC. But, uh, yeah, like, here's the thing, okay? Like, my legitimate gripe with, like, some of these is that so much of this is just, like, hitting each other over the head with instruments when I think you could do so much more. Like, you can have mm. so much more fun with the idea of, like, you know, a musical instrument match. And we're in the era now where I think the hardcore out of arena match has been taken to a new level with the several cinematic matches that we've seen taking several concepts and really just kind of like dialing up the comedy in them so much so that I don't know, like this is like the third time they've done one of these symphony of what, what is it? Um, symphony of destruction, symphony of destruction matches. And each one has just been a, you know, your typical hardcore match. So that's, that's not a bad idea. Cause I'm sure like there's, there's probably some musical talent in Orlando who's stuck because of, the uh, pandemic. So like, yeah, like go, go to an actual guitar center way and like clear it out, make sure it's safe for everybody. And they're going bankrupt apparently. Oh, they have. I think think they're still open, but they're, they're filing for bankruptcy. Oh, too bad. RIP guitar center. But go to some local music store and like, you could even bring in like maybe some local talent that just hanging around for no reason. Like, I don't know, like maybe, you know, JC, uh, Chazé from the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I forget which one he was in. That's random. Way. He was maybe, in NSYNC. He was in NSYNC. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe he, maybe he's hanging around Chris Kirkpatrick. One of these guys is, is hanging out in Orlando and you can have them as like the button to the end of the musical segment in this music store. Here's the thing, like legitimately, if like Jeff Hardy all of a sudden, like if they did do a battle of the bands and it was like Elias versus Pearl Oxygen, I think Elias would win. Like if you had a legitimate <laughs> audience there voting on like who yeah. was the better band, like I think Elias would get more votes. Like that's that band is that bad. The only song of theirs that I liked was the like the old heel Jeff Hardy theme in, in TNA. And that's because they played it every week and it got to the point where at first I hated it. But then I came to like it just because it was so random. That's that's the way I am with, with most uh, wrestling bands, <laughs> I suppose. Keith Lee and Matt Riddle are in the back. Riddle Riddle annoys Keith Lee with his like overly talkative surfer shtick. Uh, Riddle says he's always wanted to face Drew because he's so chill and he does that Austin Powers thing. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> and then he does an impression of Fat Bastard from Austin Powers. Oh, like, no. <laughs> was it like two... 
two or three, I forget. Um, you know, I would say like this riddle character is very much geared towards like, you know, children, like a younger audience, maybe your niece, you know, the Instagram generation. <laughs> but like, would your niece appreciate this Austin Powers reference from the year 2000? No, like that is so like he he really should. He should be like uh this updated version of almost like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Where, sure, like, yes, yes, we've got these stoner overtones, but he's really just this silly, goofy character. And, yeah, like, he should be doing TikTok dances, and he should be, you know, uh, uh, appealing to that IG generation. But, yeah, like, my nieces, I think the oldest niece has seen the first Austin Powers and then maybe the third one, because that's the one with Beyonce. But the other two, like, they, they don't know about Austin Powers. So it tells me that they're not necessarily aiming for a younger audience with this riddle character and that they think these jokes are <laughs> meant to land with like 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds. So um, I don't know. Um, this was hilarious, I guess. We have a recap of Retribution taken on Ricochet, um, their feud from three weeks ago. Mm. Um, <laughs> this was Ali's response to a program that was set up three weeks ago, so uh, really taking his time with this response. He's pissed off. Why can't Ricochet see that they, he should be joining uh, joining Retribution? <laughs> For the first time, we hear on Raw, at least to my knowledge, Slapjack speaking. Slapjack speaks. He says, while the rest of the world saw him as a joke, Ollie saw him for what he really is, a weapon of mass destruction. I would say he's definitely a bigger joke now. Than yes. when he was Shane Thorne in NXT. Like, now he wears a cut-up paper plate on his face, and his name is Slapjack. You know, like, I think Ali was probably trolling Shane Thorne. He's like, yeah, well, hey, man, wear this. It'll make you look cool. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Have we seen a group, like, fall so quickly since, like, maybe, like, the original uh, The Nexus? Like, has a group fallen so far? Man, at least The Nexus had, like, a pay-per-view, you know, like, main yeah. event. Like, this was, um, I mean, I would say last week might have been bottom for them. You know, being on main event, uh, doing an angle on main event uh, with a <laughs> gobbledygooker. Um, so I would say this week was actually actually an improvement for them. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say, Nate. Slapjack versus Ricochet. Are you ready? This, this is what I woke up for away. <laughs> good, good, good. You heard the sounds of... Uh, Slapjack and just woke you right back up. <laughs> so Ali distracts Ricochet. Um, <laughs> I wrote in my notes Slapjack and it auto-corrected to Snapchat. So maybe that's the younger audience that they should. Uh, yes, maybe he'll for. join Matt Riddle's faction next. Yes, Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat pulls him from the corner, executes a cannonball. Um, Ricochet goes for a comeback, hits a standing shooting star press for two. Ali panics and tells T-Bar and Mace to show up. Ricochet dives onto all of them to take him out. Meanwhile, Dana Brooke shows up at ringside and slaps Ali. This was her way of sending a message to Reckoning for attacking her before Survivor Series a couple weeks back. <laughs> Ricochet continues to fight off Mace and T-Bar and Ali alone, resulting in Slapjack catching a really nice swing belly to back suplex and then getting his first singles victory on Raw. So uh, continuing the, the rivalry between Ricochet and Retribution, so much so to the point where Slapjack gets his first win by pinning him. So do you think Ricochet will, will eventually join Retribution, Nate? I would hope not, Way Just because, like, why? Like, what, 
what motivation does Ricochet have for that? Like, if Ricochet wasn't interested in in associating with the Hurt business, like, why would you then go to the B team? Uh, he missed his chance. He probably sees like, oh my god, look at Cedric. That could have been me. That could have uh, been I guess me. I'll take. I guess I'll take the. You know, I'll I'll, I'll take something because <laughs> he's losing to he's losing to Retribution right now. Yeah, and like the fact that in this match we had not only had a. Uh, uh, your man Snapchat picking up his first victory. Uh, but then we also had Dana Brooke slapping the leader of this group. And like, like Dana Brooke is, is coming out of this as the big hero of the segment. And I'm like, what, what the hell is going on in 2020 way? The pecking order is Dana Brooke, uh, Retribution, and then Ricochet <laughs> yes. at the bottom. So, I mean, you, you know, you kind of like pointed it out. It's It's very much the same story with Ricochet of him possibly joining retribution just like we've seen ricochet possibly joining hurt business so um yeah i don't know um we'll see if he's triumphant and we'll see uh, how this ends up on main event <laughs> ms tv his special guest is one of their opponents tonight it's seamus who is teaming with drew later tonight in our main event against ms and morrison this is two two weeks ago. Seamus made one of the most heartfelt gestures he's seen when he returned drew's chest back to him from scotland and what did Sheamus get in return? Nothing. Misses when he wins the WWE title, he says he would give his friend John Morrison his first crack at the belt. So why hasn't Drew done the same? Miz tries to get Sheamus to agree to cash in on his 20 years of resentment tonight against Drew so that Miz can cash in on his money in the bank contract. Sheamus laughs. Miz at this point gets serious. When was the last time you tasted a WWE championship? Five years ago for two months. Now your best friend is at the top of the heap. And if you want to laugh at something, laugh at your career because it's a joke. Seamus walks up to the Miz. He says while Miz likes to talk about what he wants to do, Seamus likes to use his hands. And he starts fighting them both. Meanwhile, Miz lays him out with a briefcase. And Miz and Morrison end up standing tall. So we continue furthering Seamus's babyface turn. I mean, I would say in weeks past... Seamus is like kind of like you know babyface persona with, only existed with Drew McIntyre in scenes mm. with Drew McIntyre. It felt so over the top that you knew he was manipulating Drew and that he was going to turn on him. This week felt to me like a very deliberate attempt at actually making him a sympathetic babyface to the audience watching at home. Yeah, I'm glad you said that way because it took me half of the segment to realize, oh yeah, Seamus is the babyface in this equation, and so. Like yeah, like I think we talked about it last week when we talked about that that riddle match that Sheamus had. Like if this is kind of the repackaging, the the rejuvenation of Sheamus leading up to an eventual match with Drew, I'm here for it. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I like the the outfit. Now I'm turning into WH. I'm not sure <laughs> if oh, I like the white the, uh, the white tank top. Yeah, they they like the with the suspenders, like the Dexy's Midnight Runner outfit. <laughs> That uh, Seamus was rocking here. Sure that's that's another, what he's going for. I was going to say, that's another uh, <laughs> reference that the IG generation probably won't get. <laughs> but uh, I think by the end of the segment, you did come off with this looking like, yeah, like I can actually, you know, root for Seamus at least against these, uh, these heels here. And, and so, like, that's why it makes the stuff later in the night with people trying to plant these seeds of dissent. Like, I get what they were going for away, but it feels like you went through all this trouble to try to make Seamus this good baby face just to reaffirm what we were thinking before you went through that trouble. 
Well, ultimately, it's got to end up with the Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre match, and you would think yeah. that it would be Sheamus in that role as heel. But you know, to what degree of heel would he be? Would he be somebody who would be straight up, "I tricked you, ha ha ha, I'm evil," or would he be more of a heel who, you know, feels cheated because of a legitimate reason by Drew McIntyre? Could it be jealousy that's fueling him? And like, could it be a more noble reason why he would be hating Drew McIntyre? You never paid me back for the postage it took to get that package shipped to America. <laughs> oh, my God. The duty on that thing? The weight? And it's yes. a weapon? Oh, my God. I don't envy him at all. In so, the middle of a pandemic, no less? Jeez. Oh, this is the weight alone. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought this was interesting. You know, I thought Miz and Morrison were, were really good here. And I think Seamus, like, li- listen to how much we're talking about Seamus. He, to me, has showcased a, a very different pretty compelling like you know a uh, set of performances throughout this uh story with drew mcintyre mm-hmm. so we meet up with lana and asuka they're in the back in gorilla asuka speaks to lana in japanese and i think i heard lana briefly briefly respond in in russian so i think the joke is that they each speak their own language but they can communicate perfectly like han solo and, and chewbacca <laughs> uh so sarah asked lana what they just discussed lana smiles and says you wouldn't understand, but Shayna and Naya are about to. So we got Shayna and Naya in the back now. Naya says, Lana and Asuka got lucky last week when they beat them. Shayna blames Naya for not putting Lana through a table, while Naya blames Shayna for getting pinned. Uh, and Naya says, tonight she's going to put Lana through a table. Naya and Lana versus Asuka and Lana. Oh, sorry, Naya and Shayna versus Asuka and Lana. It's a non-title match. They are continuing to book Lana to show her slightly increased, I would say, in-ring abilities. You know, they did a bit of groundwork with Lana and Shayna here. Uh, a pair of baseball slides results in them being caught and swung sp- simultaneously against the barricades by Nia and Shayna. Back from co- commercial, Nia screams, Who do you think you are? And then just catches Lana with a very stiff-looking back elbow, destroys her with a big beal and a corner splash. Lana gets this like really awkward hot tag where she's crawling to the corner. Shayna jumps at her, actually catches her in a choke, but then they kind of fall into the corner and into Asuka's tag. So Asuka just like begins her. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, it was didn't feel like a traditional build to a hot tag, but Asuka no. comes in. Shayna knocks her down with a big kick. Lana tags herself back in. She dives off the top with a big splash. Shayna rolls through and puts her into the Kirifuda clutch. At this point, Asuka breaks it up with a sliding kick to Shayna's head. Shayna is out from the kick, and Lana rolls on top of her for the three counts. So, again, Shayna Baszler is pinned two weeks in a row by Asuka last week and this week Lana. But much of the credit going to Lana, I suppose, um, mm. this time. And and again, way to build off of our... Uh metaphor at the end of the program from last week of who helped Lana assume this victory. It was a, another woman of color. So the, the white privilege gimmick rolls on. And then like, I, I'm not happy with Shayna taking these oh, losses. I'm, I'm not happy with Shayna taking these losses, but I am oh. interested in what the end game is because again, like I don't think that Lana is connecting as this sympathetic baby face that the company thinks she is. You know, there's definitely something now. I think they've done a good job of establishing the like the bully uh, in Nia Jax continually mm-hmm. tormenting Lana. I feel like sometimes they go through these things and it's like they go so far with it that I end up forgetting how we started and, and the awkward transition that you had with Lana being a heel to a baby face. <laughs> um, like, anyway, but 
Is it attract like is it getting people's attention uh right now? I don't know. Uh I think it's still really hard to say. Like is I I do like this team of Lana and Asuka. You know, mm. I think they kind of like fulfill a lot of qualities about the other um for one thing like matches are a little better when Asuka is in there with Lana. Yes. And maybe with somebody like Lana there for Asuka, she'd be able to cut maybe a, you know, a more interesting type of promo. What they have right now here with like the two of them speaking different languages but understanding each other, that's kind of cute. It might make for, make for some decent segments, but yeah, um where do you see this feud ending up? It's weird way because yes, like Lana is the babyface, Asuka is is certainly uh a babyface in this situation, but it almost feels like back during the Attitude Era or maybe even a little bit later, like when the Dudley boys were hot and all you wanted to see the payoff at the end of the story was somebody go through a table. And it feels like they're really hitting that hard. Like they, they hit it hard uh, nine times previous to this way. And it feels like the end of the story should be either Lana going through another table or Lana somehow putting Nia through a table. Like Lana Samoa, someone dropping yes. Nia Jax to a table. That'd be <laughs> yes. awesome. Insert, uh, insert Monique gif. I would like to see that. Oh, you should tweet that out. Um, whatever that happens and see if it does as well as the Hamilton one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we shall see how this unfolds. Seamus is with Drew McIntyre backstage. Drew teases Seamus about the beating Miz and Morrison gave him. He says it was must see TV and a physical guy like Seamus must've thought it was fun. Seamus agrees that, yeah, it was a bit of fun, but says if the roles were reversed, I would go out to help you, Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Seamus says that was just the appetizer, and tonight, it's the main course. So these two, despite uh, Drew not helping Seamus at all during his beating, mm-hmm. they're still very friendly with one another uh, because they're just guys who love to fight. And it's not like Miz and Morrison's beatdown was that bad anyway. It's just Miz and Morrison. Yeah, all. but also, Seamus is not wrong. Like... <laughs> Like, if if I'm out here getting beat down, like, regardless of who's doing the beating, and you're in the back at catering, like, come on, buddy. Again, sympathetic babyface tonight. So we we uh, catch up with the new day here. Um, Kofi announces and congratulates Woods on his G4 hosting gig. Are you Were you ever a fan of G4? Yeah, back in the day, and, and I've been following uh, Xavier's campaign to uh, be the one of the hosts on G4. So, yeah, like, again, like, Xavier Woods seems to be one of the rare examples. You know, we talked all this past month. There are a lot of people have been talking this past month about WWE performers doing outside work. Like, Xavier Woods is the guy who it feels like if the company really wanted to crack down on him, he could just leave because he's got so much else going on. It's true. Um, but, you know, I, I found this really interesting because, like, they – Sasha Banks was on The Mandalorian, a huge show. Mm-hmm. No mention of it whatsoever. She's credited as uh, Mercedes Vernado in, in the credits of the show. And, I mean, Austin, what is it? Woods is going by, uh, is he going by Austin Creed or, or Xavier Woods? I've actually kind of been, been told. I think this. it's Austin Creed. Okay, so he's going by Austin Creed, fine. But, like, this is essentially, like, a huge promotion of this, this thing on Raw. Wood says being a sports entertainer is important to him. Being a future King of the Ring is important to him. He's continuing to put that out there really hard. <laughs> but he says video games are his happy place, and he thanks anyone who's ever been associated with Up, Up, Down, Down. So, I mean, this, like, prime real estate to not just promote, um, you know, the G4 thing, but, of course, Up, Up, Down, Down, like, 
it's it tells me that WWE is very on board with this venture in a way that they might not be with you know Sasha Banks and the Mandalorian. Yeah, and it also goes to show you like I feel like the New Day is at such a position where they're almost Teflon, and this is not to say that like Sasha or somebody like uh, Zelina Vega or any of the other performers on the roster wouldn't deserve the same opportunity, but it's almost like if the if the WWE were to crack down on the New Day it would be like cutting off your nose to spite your face hmm. because they, they mean so much from, you know, a marketing standpoint, they've got so much goodwill amongst the fans out there that they'd be silly to try to strong arm, you know, Xavier in, in this situation. Of course, I guess the, the other explanation, this was brought to, to my attention too, by, by some uh, listeners is that G4 is also an NBC universal channel, which you say mm-hmm. as well is as well. So I guess that, that really makes perfect sense. Uh, whereas of course, Disney plus is not one of their properties. So uh, yeah, we shall, I mean, I guess expo- expect more, you know, co-promotion between G4 and WWE in the future. And this is again, uh, I hate to keep going back and, and, and taking shots at our, our bro here, uh, Mr. Riddle, but like what Xavier did in this segment, like if you want to reach like my niece's generation, like that's how you do it with stuff like this, you know, by mentioning G4 and up, up, down, down, like that's an organic way to broaden your viewership as opposed to Matt Riddle making Austin Powers jokes. Well, I was going to say, I think Woods would have like really like hit a home run with this promo if he added like a, oh, behave. or like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think what other quotables. Oh, God. One million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah uh, uh, Kobe's like, so how much are they paying you? One million dollars. And then he just started laughing. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, they proceed to mock the Hurt Business for failing to beat them three times. And this includes, of course, last week's weird count-out screw-up, which... um. I think Meltzer reported was a legitimate, like, they they missed their time to get into the ring and the ref counted them out, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, they were playing each of these things in a dream sequence. And at this point, the Hurt Business arrives. MVP, so the New Day are bragging that, oh, we, like, they've had three opportunities and they haven't beaten us. Meanwhile, MVP comes out and says, your math is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there were actually two and two. Because we won when the New Day got counted out. First of all, I mean, the New Day did mention that, yeah, like the Hurt Business won, but they didn't leave with the titles. That was not even part of the count at all. The count is the fact that they left the the, the three times they've had to face the New Day and three times they were unable to win the championship. Meanwhile, MVP says, uh, we're actually two and two, so we're tied, so you owe us a title shot. First of all, where did he get that extra number from? Like they've only <laughs> faced each other three times. They would be two and one if anything. I mean this this is a uh, time in, in the world right now way where a lot of people are examining numbers and and how you count numbers. And so I'm sure MVP again, you know, paid three million dollars to get people to go back and look at these matches, and he found an extra match. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I buy that that explanation. Uh, so I don't know if this is just a case of like heel logic or just like bad math or, or you know, yeah, maybe exactly what you said. Uh, either one works. Cedric, I thought, continued to be very aggressive and confident throughout the show. It's a new Cedric Alexander. He says he's going to show Woods that last week was just a fluke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> last week was a fluke because we 
Otherwise, uh, would have been able to get back into the ring in time. And he says, Wood's dream G4 gig is about to turn into a nightmare. So it's how, Woods versus Cedric. How, how is that possible? Like, what bearing does this match have on his employment with G4, Cedric? Um, Are you wrestling him for the spot? <laughs> I think he was just trying to work a way to fit in Nightmare with Dream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, Dream, Dream. Uh, how can I make your G4 thing sound uh, badass, like uh, in my heel promo? Uh, you had a dream. To be a host of G4, well, uh, my match is going to be a nightmare for you. <laughs> That's about it. So uh, it's it's Woods versus Cedric. It's Woods' first singles match in over a year, of course. The announcers make light of uh, MVP's questionable math here on commentary. And <laughs> Joe says if Tom has a problem with it, he can take it up with the Hurt Business. So they, they kind of saved it there. Woods hits the honor roll for two. Uh, brain buster from Cedric for two. Woods catches Cedric's suicide dive and drives him into the barricade. Back in the ring, Cedric hits a sudden lumbar check, and then it's a clean victory for Cedric Alexander uh, over one half of the tag team champions. What did you think of the match? I thought it was a solid match. Like, again, like any combination of the New Day and the Hurt Business, like I think at minimum you're going to get a solid TV match. Uh, I'm surprised uh, at how decisive the victory was for Cedric. it's it's interesting though, Wade, because there's a part of me like while I respect all of these performers, I'm kind of tired of this feud, and I didn't think that's something that I would say when you've got people like MVP and Shelton and 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 Lashley and Cedric going up against Kofi and Xavier. Like I'm 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 hoping that once we get to the pay per view, like this is all said and done. Well, you uh, you've seen three matches between these two already, so I. I don't really blame you. Um, oh, and I will say, like, uh, and I mentioned it last week, like, seeing Xavier back, like, just, he feels refreshed. And mm-hmm. he feels like he's got some more fire. And, yeah, like, I think the fact that I, I didn't even know it, way that, that this was his first singles match since he's returned from the injury, like, that's that's a really cool thing for him. So afterwards, they do a really interesting thing where Cedric goes up the ramp celebrating by himself like he's just all into his big win tonight. And he's almost celebrating a little too hard because MVP and Shelton are left back at the ring looking at him <laughs> like he's weird. So I don't know what's happening here. But are, do you th- like, are they going to kick Cedric Alexander out for being too <sighs> celebratory? Uh, I'm too hoping involved? not. Like, yeah, I'm hoping this doesn't turn into... Like Randy Orton in Evolution, where Cedric's going to get too full of himself, and we're going to get you know him on Bobby Lashley's shoulders one week and MVP with the thumbs down. I'm hoping that's not where this is headed. Way they're not uh, nearly there yet. With no, Cedric Alexander, are you kidding me? Like that that would take months, and this is just like he's only a month into this whole feud. I think. Yeah, I think what happened though was Cedric is just really happy because again he thought because he pinned Xavier that means he gets an extra check from G4, but that's. That's not the case. <laughs> he achieved the dream. Yeah. <laughs> we got AJ, and uh, I don't think we mentioned this last week, but Jordan has a new name. And yes. It is almost. It is almost, which is the, the nickname that Matt Riddle actually gave him, so it's stuck. Uh, it's almost. Riddle shows up. He makes a really bad joke to AJ. <laughs> Man. <laughs> As as Matt Riddle does. <laughs> you want to recap this one? You want to take this, Nate? Oh, is this? No, I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, I'm thinking about the Seamus or the Miz AJ segment later with the pie, which is 
equally ridiculous. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. I know you, I know you've got it in perfect transcription right there. You just don't want to do it, so I'll try. <laughs> so he says to AJ, "You better hop away, Skipper, because that carrot is mine tonight." <laughs> and like, where's the joke, right? Almost laughs at this. He laughs at this because he knows the inside joke reference that Matt Riddle is making. Because Matt Riddle has a bunny named Skipper. <laughs> and this reveals to AJ that the two have been hanging out without him. So, man, we get more jokes about, like, AJ says, why would you name your rabbit Skipper? It should be called Hopper. And so Riddle says, I already have turtles named Hopper. Mm. And um, Riddle says AJ reminds him about his bunny because he's got great hops and he's totally cute. And so AJ shoves Riddle, says it wasn't funny, and he leaves. Um, this was the part where I was really like feeling the 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 the, the itis, uh, just yes. this, the the great humor here from Matt Riddle. Like uh, in in 2020 way, AJ Styles and I don't agree on a lot of things. Like we talked about that in the news segment, but I am with. Uh, AJ 100% here like this wasn't funny uh, like the again a little bit of riddle goes a long long way and I I like that they're trying to give him more time to establish his promo and, and get his character working but it's just not clicking right now way and I don't know again like what segment of the audience other than maybe the stoner audience uh, like who is this for hold on a second like I think there's stoner humor that is actually funny like, this was not it. This does not feel like anything that anybody who's ever smoked weed would come up with. Like, don't discredit weed smokers like that. You know, like, weed smoker would not, like, come up with this whole thing about, like, a buddy named Skipper and then uh, Hopper and a uh, turtle. Um, I just, man, like, I, like, you hear stories all the time about, like, oh, like, Vince rewriting scripts at the last minute. This felt like a segment that was written, like, in five minutes and mm. not even. And then just told for them to go out there to, to do it. It's it's awful. And I know it's supposed to be bad, everybody. I know the joke is that Matt Riddle is supposed to be a bad comedian. Uh, and somehow that's supposed to make me like him. Um, but, God, it's so bad that I just don't like him. Yeah. And I also think, like... It helps depending on who's playing off of him because compared to the MVP Brogert segment last week, like I thought that segment came across a little bit better than this one. Uh, but even so, like if if you've got Vince McMahon who's supposed to be putting words into the mouth of this millennial stoner, uh, I guess like it's it's not a good combination way. Like that tells me Vince McMahon has seen Austin Powers too. I mean, he <laughs> might he might have seen it recently. <sighs> I'll I'll behave. <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? <laughs> oh, fuck. that is amazing. Oh, sudden triple threat match. We got Keith Lee versus AJ Styles versus Riddle. Lee hits an impressive leap dro- leapfrog drop down sequence done to both AJ and Riddle at the same time. Riddle delivers a big floating bro to both Lee and AJ on the floor, sending us to break. Big bro taunts from Riddle to everybody, but Styles blocks the last one with his legs up in the air. Riddle counters a spirit bomb with a triangle as AJ storms in, but Lee just swats him away using Riddle, Riddle as a weapon. 
Riddle attempts to powerbomb Lee out of the corner, but the weight is too much for him. Styles lands a crossbody to Lee. Then Lee throws him off and right onto Riddle for a two count. We get a big exchange of strikes between Riddle and Lee. When Riddle actually knocks Lee off of his feet, but in comes AJ with the surprise phenomenal forearm to Riddle, pinning Matt Riddle to earn a title shot. What do you think of the match? I really like this way. Like this, to me, was the highlight of the show. You know, I, and I had high hopes for it, and my hopes were met. Like it, it wasn't the greatest match I've ever seen, but for a TV match on a random Monday uh, after Thanksgiving, like I, I thought all three guys worked hard. It again, you know, going back to what I had mentioned on uh, the last episode we did, like this was kind of like a, a an update on the old TNA special where we've got a couple exhibition guys in with the big monster, and everybody got to showcase what they do well. Uh, Keith Lee had some impressive spots. Uh, Riddle got to show off his ring work, which is much better than his mic work right now. And then AJ, you know, ultimately got the win, which I think uh, was, was the right move. So, like, I I thought this match came together really well. And it, it was, like, if, you, if you're going to go back and watch anything from tonight's Raw, like if you missed it and you're just listening to Way and I to de- decide on what you want to watch, I would definitely recommend to go back and watch this triple threat. A very good three-way match. All three I thought looked spectacular. Very good high-flying from AJ. Good-looking starts from Riddle. And great power base uh, in Keith Lee for the others. So we have AJ versus Drew being a pay-per-view match. What do you think of that? I think it's good. Like, There's a part of me that wanted to go to AJ and Keith Lee, but then I remembered way that the pay-per-view is only a couple weeks away, and that's like AJ and Keith is a story that you can build to. Plus we've got, you know, uh, not AJ and Keith, uh, Drew and, and Keith is a story we can build to. Uh, plus, we've got the Drew and Seamus story, which we're going to talk about again as the night goes on. And so I think like if you, if you want to get a good match out of Drew and, and put on a good show and, and ultimately Drew retains the belt, then I think AJ, out of the three choices, was the right guy because AJ, unlike Riddle or Keith Lee, is not going to lose much momentum by taking the loss at this point. Completely agreed. And it's also on paper an exciting match. Yep. You know? So it fulfills that requirement. It's it's another win for Sheamus on his way to the Rumble programs and the Mania programs. And, you know, it should be a good match. And maybe we we'll got- even get like a Claymore on uh, Almas, which would be a fun visual. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, you'd have to jump really high. <laughs> Charlie is about to take on... Or sorry, Charlie's about to interview... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they'll ever do that match. Charlie's about to interview Miz and Morrison. She says their plans to cause a rift between Sheamus and Drew have backfired. Uh, and Charlie asks Miz and Morrison if they have a backup plan. Miz ends up stalling for answers while Morrison says he's got a new idea and so they leave. We hear from Reckoning, Mia Yim and Ali. Um, they say that Retribution don't play games. They annihilate, mm. they annihilate, annihilate games? Is that what they said? I believe, yeah, they, we, we don't play games, we annihilate them, which, what does that even mean? They just take your Monopoly board and rip it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to rip up all of your Uno cards. Oh, I, you know, I was going to say Uno. They're going to take one of the eights out of the Uno. <laughs> Do they have eights in Uno? I don't even know. Yeah, there are eights. So like, I think it, it's one to nine. Uh, in in Uno, and then of course you got you got your skips, your reverses, your draw twos, your draw fours, your wild cards. Wait, I don't even know because I played Monopoly 
over Thanksgiving with my nieces. Taking like, a wi- taking the wild a wild card out of your Uno deck would mm. I would definitely say would be annihilating your Uno deck. Like they've got this this version of Uno now, which I don't I don't really agree with, but I played it with my nieces anyway. Where you can make your own rules. What? And like there's blank wild cards, and you can write in your own rules. Uh, like instead of draw four, like draw ten, or or skip the next two turns like you can make up your own rules which feels like like that uno is destroying and annihilating their own game by in, in introducing that card into the deck can you write anything like even outside of the game can i write like you must uh you know uh, do my laundry for a uh, month <laughs> i'm sure depending on the crowd like yeah like you this could get really risky because like you could write like take a shot or you know <laughs> Yeah. Go hang out with Matt Riddle and his pets. Like, there's wow. so many. Th- this could get bad really quick, Uno. Wow. I, I didn't know it was that risky. Dana versus Reckoning. Ali is ringside. And so early on, Reckoning, man, Reckoning Reckoning goes for this big boot in the corner. And her mask just falls off. <laughs> so for the rest of this match, it's suddenly Dana Brooke versus Mia Yim. We had like a... This must have been taped, uh, you know, some at some yeah. other well, time. Well, here's my question, way before we get to the finish, like they called her reckoning on the show, but and and I, maybe I missed it over the past month or so. But has she ever been identified as Mia Yim? She has not. None of the retribution members have ever been called like their previous names. But I think, especially with Mia Yim, it's incredibly obvious. I mean, it's pretty obvious with like T Bar as well. They make reference to their NXT runs, so they mm. are supposed to be the same characters. Yeah, because when her mask falls off, like they're still like just reckonings going for this, and I'm like, do you not see what I see, Samoa Joe? Like that's me, you know. You know the mask is a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> so Ali is trying to distract Dana on the apron. Meanwhile, Yim goes for another big boot, um, and Dana dodges and then schoolboys her for the victory. So those big boots were really not working very well for Mia Yim in this match. I will say, Nate, to their credit, I thought proceeding without fumbling at all after the mask falling off mm. uh, and just wrestling the match as normal, like, was was a real kind of like, you know, um, I, I would say a, a, a showcase of how they're able to kind of hold their composure on live TV. And I thought they actually did pretty well. You know, Yim continues to, uh, maybe even Retribution more so, wrestling a very aggressive style of pace. Dana looked really good and precise, I would say, as well, so... What little bad could be spoken of this match was pretty much out of their control, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I like I love Mia Yim. Like I I think Mia Yim has been great for a long time. Like even going back to like the the stuff on the Indies or when she was uh in uh, Impact as part of the Dollhouse. Like Mia Yim's been good for a long time. Uh, this gimmick though is not good for anybody involved. I don't think, except like maybe Ali, but even then, Ali kind of comes across at the end of this way looking kind of goofy. Uh, but yeah, like the, the fact that Dana Brooke of all people is coming out as this big heroic baby face, like it, I, I don't know what I'm watching anymore. Waiting. They're pushing Dana. Um, but yeah, oh, oh, I will say the one good thing about Dana Brooke, like besides the fact that she got the win, like I like the new, uh, the new outfit because she's from Cleveland and the outfit was like Cleveland Cavaliers colors. Okay. And so like, I'm always a big fan of people like wearing the colors of their hometown team because it, it makes them feel more special. Uh, 
other than Nate Robinson, who wore those Knicks colors to the mm. ring and, and got ethered. So other than Nate, <laughs> uh, and we want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Nate Robinson. But other than that, like, yeah. I love the look of, like, it's like when John Cena used to wear, like, Celtics colors or Red Sox colors. Like, I like that idea. Well, he would wear the colors of every team. Like, depending on where he showed up, he wore, like, Leafs colors one time in Toronto. <laughs> so he's a... He's a, a fickle fan. Pretty much. A, He's uh, like Drake. He just cheers for whoever's, <laughs> whoever's mm-hmm. winning at the time. I know. Uh, what did you think? Of, did you watch uh, uh, Jones and, and Tyson over the weekend? I, I caught clips of it. Like, I, I love Roy Jones Jr. I think Roy Jones Jr. is an underrated fighter. Uh, and Mike Tyson, obviously, you know, was, was the heavyweight boxer of my youth. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, like, my nieces were in town. It's like, I'm not going to. Like mm. I'm not gonna, you know, pay this money and subject these poor children to watching Tyson Jones and also uh, Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul. <laughs> if they don't respect your Twitter, Karen, I don't think they'll respect, uh, you know, the the legacy of Mike Tyson. No. unfortunately, I think Snoop said uh, it best. He's like, these look like some uncles out here fighting at a barbecue, <laughs> which I would watch. I would gladly watch. Um, yeah, no, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to to check it out either on Saturday. But I had no idea that Moro Ronaldo was calling the show. Uh, with Snoop Dogg, which, which is, is like crazy, me, amazing, and uh, something I'm I'm sure was a career highlight for for Moro, yeah. uh, getting to call Tyson a Tyson match with Snoop Dogg, <laughs> like holy shit! So uh, I think Snoop I, came out maybe the best of anybody from from the show because that's all I heard was like, yeah, Snoop Dogg needs to do more boxing commentary. He needs to do more commentary. Period. Like he he was on Twitch several, like you know, for a little bit, not playing games, but just talking through games. <laughs> and it's the most entertaining thing in the world. So yeah, he he like WWE would. Oh, uh, well, they would. Vince would probably be coaching him though. Oh, this. Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's UFC four. Uh, he's on one of the modes on like knockout mode on UFC four, and, and I played it because I had the free trial. Uh few months ago and i'm playing it and all of a sudden like i i get the knockout and snoop's like oh i hope that brother had a had his uh had his plate ready because you just gave him a two-piece and a biscuit and i'm like you know what i'm, I'm here for this ea sports <laughs> this would be an unlockable mode or downloadable every year so we got Miz and Morrison take uh with AJ and almost they're in the back um Miz and Morrison bring a peach pie for AJ yes. because of course he's from georgia <laughs> AJ says cut the crap i know exactly why you're here and without them even asking, AJ agrees to help tonight. He explains that it's because it would be way easier to beat the Miz for the title than Drew McIntyre. AJ says, leave the pie. And almost says, that's not a pie. That's a cupcake. Now, this this segment actually worked for me, Way. Like, I thought not only did you have the, the logic of these heels working together and AJ saying, like, yeah, I want you to win the title because it's easier to beat you than to beat this big heavyweight Drew McIntyre that's been on this tear lately, and, and even Morrison agreeing with AJ in that statement. Uh, and then the bit at the end with the uh, AJ's like, oh, this is a good pie, and, and almost like, no, that's a cupcake. Like, that's, that's a dad joke, but it, it worked at the end of the segment. I thought it was pretty funny. They're allowing almost to speak a bit now, and they're giving him a comedic personality, which I think is a good choice for, especially with AJ, who I think is doing some of the most funniest work mm-hmm. in the company right now. Um, and the logic makes sense here. AJ is a cowardly heel, puts Drew over as so much of a threat that he's willing to, you know, uh, help the Miz here. So it works for me. MVP teases Matt Riddle in the back about losing his triple threat match. 
Riddle says losing sucks, but at least I had an opportunity, unlike Lashley. Riddle then continues to pitch MVP on his new business ideas, including Lawn Bros Landscaping and Bro Nuts. MVP has had enough of these jokes. He says his ideas are ridiculous, and he's glad Riddle lost. Then he pie-faces him, not with the peach pie. <laughs> Lashley comes in and lays him out with the hurt lock, and we so we uh, get a new program here. Riddle uh, versus Lashley coming out. So, wait, like, did I miss something? Because didn't last week, wasn't MVP going to say, like, didn't weren't they going to have this big segment in the ring where he pitched in these ideas? Or was that, um, did I miss something? I think that was in the back. I don't. I don't think they ever went out to the ring to pitch any ideas. Okay, yeah, because I thought last week, because he when we when he brought up the Brogard MVP was like, you know, get your business plan together, and then we'll be in the ring next week for you to tell us these ideas. But we just did it in the back. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're hoping for a big Matt Riddle business presentation on this show? Yeah, I thought like that actually could have been instead of all these minor segments with Riddle, if you focus on just one segment with Riddle and the the Hurt business, I think. MVP in particular could have guided Matt to a really good segment that gets you to the same conclusion where we set up Lashley versus Riddle. Uh, it could have been I like will. Shark Tank, like like in like <laughs> like instead of Mark Cuban and 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 uh, Mr. Wonderful and all those people, you'll have like the Hurt Business just waiting for Matt Riddle's pitches. Like who's the one who who's got the money here? Who's making these investments? I mean, it's the Hurt. Is it the Hurt Business? Or are they just is like MVP just a a portfolio manager? That's that's see we again we we won't know this until Linda McMahon shows up mm, to help this right. struggling small business. But I think like this like granted way at the end of the day it doesn't mean anything because we got to where we needed to get to. But I do think you could have actually crafted a fun segment around this uh, this logic of Matt Riddle trying to pitch ideas to MVP. I will say, like, from, you know, like, seeing the, the, the month and a half or two months or three months of Matt Riddle's appearances on Raw now, he continues to be a big presence on this show. Mm. Uh, they, he's, they're giving him a lot of screen time, a lot of speaking roles. So I think they've done a good job of showcasing this new character over the past few weeks. And I have to imagine Vince McMahon loves him a lot because he here's a character. Remember Dean Ambrose and, like, the gas mask and like mm-hmm. all the shit that they wa- he wanted Dean Ambrose to do that uh, Moxley ended up saying he would never do it. <laughs> Matt Riddle is the type of character that'll probably say anything. Like you can get you can get him talking about Brogurt. You could talk get him <laughs> talking about like what the fuck was he talking about earlier? Uh, Hoppy yep. and uh, Skipper, Skipper. bunnies. Any fucking crazy idea that Vince or, or, or whoever has this character could probably get away with. Now, now we're just like when when we get to the heel turn, like again, I'm hoping we get like the Vince Russo Matt Riddle. Like, listen, bro, there it is. I got Hoppy over here. <laughs> I fed him some bro nuts. <laughs> oh, but again, way like as as much as this segment was kind of a nothing segment, I am looking forward to seeing what uh, Riddle and Lashley can do in the ring because I, I think you can kind of tap into both of their uh, mm. MMA experience and, and put together a fun little match. Definitely, definitely. So we get Sheamus and Keith Lee backstage. Keith Lee walks up and says, some of the fellas think that Sheamus intends on turning on Drew. Sheamus says it's none of your business. So keeping the idea that Sheamus might still turn on Drew alive. So, and here was my question with this little bit, Way, Like, what is Keith Lee's angle here? Because we did this story, I want to say two months ago, 
when Keith and Drew are supposed to be friends and then it turned uh, heated and, and they started fighting each other. So is, is Keith Lee looking out for Drew or is he looking out for Keith Lee in this situation? Oh, you never really know, right? I think we're so. I mean, since they're both baby faces, I would assume that Lee and McIntyre are still friends, and that this was simply Keith Lee looking out for Drew McIntyre because here's a heel suddenly entering their <laughs> social circle. Who's this guy suddenly? You know, in the group chat, like we never welcomed you. <laughs> You're in the heel group chat, uh, and, and everybody's just all the baby faces are muting Seamus, like they don't want to hear from him. The side, multiple side chats going on without Seamus right now. But, <laughs> So uh, I, that's what I take it. I mean, but of course, the possibility is always there for Keith Lee to turn heel uh, or anybody else turning heel. But I like the fact that you have still a bit of drama here attached to, to Sheamus. Charlie is with Drew McIntyre in ring for a big interview. He's got his big kilt or sorry, big sword and a big kilt, I guess. <laughs> he says it feels good to stand here to be WWE champ, but sometimes he needs to feel what it's like to get knocked down. He promised that he would beat Roman Reigns up, and he did. He saw in their match the confidence in Roman Reigns' eyes turn to confusion. He went from giving spears to showing fear. And then Jey Uso had to come in and screw everything up. He says Roman might have won their battle at Survivor Series, but he'll win the war. So they are continuing to keep those uh, flames alive for a potential rematch. When do you think we might revisit this program? That's interesting because I I guess like maybe some of it depends on where we are in 2021 with the state of the pandemic and, and the vaccine and all that way. Uh, because I think like the ultimate end game of the Roman Reigns story is like, if you can find a way, I know the brother said he's retired way, but if you can find a way to involve DJ in this story, then I think that's where you go. Uh, mm-hmm. But if that's not on the table, then maybe they run Drew and Maybe they run Drew and Roman back at Mania. Yeah, I really think that's the biggest match you can do other than The Rock. Um, and But, you know, the other question is whether or not you want to save that for a live crowd. Is that a match that's yeah. big enough for... Or, or, I mean, I would say do it any, anyway. Uh, they'll probably revisit it and do it again in the future if they continue to, you know, be the, the franchise players in, the, in, the, in on the show. And... I, I, you know, you you don't know, especially with Roman Reigns, like you don't know if he's like how how long his if he'll be available like all the time, especially mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, I think they should probably go this direction, and it almost looks like that they're planning on it right now by continuing yeah. to you know keep this whole thing alive. And there's ways to get there, even if Drew drops the title. I think it, it's better if Drew drops the title. Mm-hmm. In fact, because you know then he can go through the Rumble and and win the Rumble in back-to-back years and say, I'm, I'm going over to SmackDown to, to, to face Roman. The other factor, of course, is Big E, because, I mean, mm, they, mm. I believe that he will be in the title hunt come WrestleMania. Um, he, he should be. Yeah, it just feels like they're, they're kind of pacing him for that direction, even though it's a pretty slow pace at the moment. So, uh, yeah, we shall see a lot of elements in play. So we got in our main event... Um, Wait a second here. Okay, so yeah, Drew, uh, shame. What is it? Uh, Drew continues to speak. He says he's got no beef with AJ. He thinks their match will be great, but he threatens the Miz that he'll fold John Morrison up inside the briefcase and then he'll shove it up his asshole. So uh, <laughs> there's that. Which is which is very very descriptive, Drew. Oh, very very. <laughs> so we got in our main event, Drew McIntyre and like we've got homicide and maybe sodomy and in in one fell swoop. Everything you'd want in a you know. <laughs> 
three hour in a family friendly wrestling show. Of course. <laughs> Main event time. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus taking on Miz and Morrison with AJ Styles on commentary. Morrison is just bumping all over the place for Sheamus and McIntyre. Um Sheamus Okay, Sheamus attacks both Miz and Morrison with the beats of the Bowery. The baby faces are just destroying them. And then we come back from a commercial break as Miz and Morrison are in total control now. Sheamus is playing a full-on babyface in peril here. Gets the hot tag to Drew McIntyre. McIntyre is about to claymore the Miz, but Sheamus asks for the hot tag to finish up the match. Before he can, Sheamus drops down from the apron. Mm. But we cut to another camera angle, and we learn he drops down from the apron because it's John Morrison who has taken him away. What did you think about that spot? I actually thought that was really clever way. And I don't know if we've seen, like we've seen the spot where somebody pulls somebody off the apron before Mm -hmm. uh, to prevent the tag, but they've never framed it. Like is Seamus turning on drew, but no, it turns out he was actually pulled off by the heel. So I thought that was a really kind of clever way to play that situation. I thought so too. Like it was one of those things where I was like, man, is this on the same show as like, Hoppy the bunny like like am I giving them too much credit and was this just like you know a coincidence that they that this happened but I I I think we should give them credit because I think the Seamus thing has actually been really good with Drew McIntyre and it wouldn't like it seems to be the story is he or is he not a bad guy Uh, Mm. so a spot like this I thought was absolutely perfect so here comes AJ he hits the forearm and he DQs the match um I guess he just, yeah, because I guess from his logic, he just wants Sheamus to be, or or McIntyre to be laid out so that Miz can cash in. So with Drew out, AJ tries to get Miz to cash in on the briefcase. Miz says, I can't do it. I can't do it. AJ AJ tells Morrison to hit his finish, and man, did he hit his finish. He hits the Starship Pain, which looked like it made complete contact with uh, Morrison's knee and Drew's poor arm. Um, (laughs) And then uh, the skull-crushing finale on Drew McIntyre almost grabs the briefcase to give to AJ. And AJ is basically trying to cash in for the Miz. Before the Miz realizes, what am I listening to you for? Drew is out, and so the Miz actually considers it now. He hands the briefcase to the referee. But before the referee can actually ring the bell, Drew gets back up, lays out both Miz and Morrison. Drew then stares AJ down, but almost rescues him. And he rescues him. In, like, the coolest way possible. AJ does, like, a backflip over the rope right onto almost his shoulders. <laughs> and AJ, to end the show, is just hilarious. He's acting as if almost is holding him back, rescuing AJ from AJ's... Or, sorry, rescuing Drew from AJ's beating. Um, really funny stuff yeah, from that, AJ. And that's how we end the show. Yeah, like, I, I, I thought that, you know, as much as... You know, I didn't see the first hour away, but as much as the second hour kind of dragged for me, I thought once we get to the uh, triple threat on, like Dana Brooke aside with with the uh, Retribution match, like everything in this third hour was pretty solid, which is kind of goes against the grain of what we're usually used to on these three-hour Raws. Like I thought the triple threat was good, and then this main event, again, you're making Drew look strong. You're making AJ. Like AJ looks smart as the dastardly heel. Uh, Seamus looks strong here for the most part. And like, again, like I love, like we had like the, the Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston bodyguard moment at the end <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> almost an AJ and, and yeah, like this, like I've always thought that AJ was a better talker than people gave him credit for, but particularly like in this latest heel run, 
like you get to see like all of the kind of cocky, smarmy, cowardly heel mannerisms that AJ can bring to the table. It surprises me how funny he is because I mean, um, it's definitely a far cry from Claire Lynch AJ style. Oof, man, <laughs> which was great uh, uh, for many several different reasons. Um, anyway, but uh, I I agree with you. Third hour was actually quite good, uh, and I think much of that is because they did a really good job here. I think with building up AJ Styles uh, and Drew McIntyre in one episode, uh, they did a good job of keeping the Miz in play. Uh, I I really kind of like the heels, kind of like you know planning to to work together to get him to you know cash in and then you had the really funny scene at the end of AJ trying to make Miz cash in uh like the the heel dynamics involved here I thought were quite clever involving them involving what was it Sheamus too I think they're doing a good job yeah. like keeping that afloat here so a lot of interesting like um I don't know I would say Adams floating around like the a Drew McIntyre and I, I think a lot of it is in good shape. So that's probably why I enjoyed the third hour. Yeah, like the main event scene seems really strong right now. Like I've got issues with some of the undercard stuff. But again, like I think everything involving Drew and the title was pretty solid this week. And like I, I just love the idea that even in defeat, AJ can still claim like, hey, like I set the guy up. Like you had the win, Miz, but you you hesitated. And so... Again, going back to Hamilton because I'm trying I'm trying to get the post wrestling on that Hamilton bump right now, Wade, because I've seen how effective it is. Like AJ Styles was Alexander Hamilton right now. Like he wanted Miz to take that shot, but Miz was like Aaron Burr, and he was like, "Wait for it, wait for it." Wonderful! Wow. So, um, who's Drew McIntyre? Or <laughs> Drew McIntyre is George Washington because he's uh, he's he's leading the show right now. Got it. Got it. Uh, wow, I I feel like it's a whole podcast on its own, like wrestling in Hamilton analogies. That's a maybe maybe that'll be the next uh, the next challenge for for you and Andrew, like draft wrestlers into your play of Hamilton. I think that's I think that's a, a niche all to your your own. I think you've already got that covered, Nate. We can't do a sh- uh, anything possibly like that without you. So like Xavier Woods starring as Thomas Jefferson, like that's pitch perfect casting. <laughs> If I knew my American history better, I would absolutely laugh, Um, but I don't, so I'll just chuckle. Hey, we don't have that much feedback, so maybe maybe that'll tell you something about, um, you know, tonight's viewership of Raw, but uh, let's read what we can here. So out of 10 in the forum, what did you guys think of tonight's Raw? Five out of 10, a perfect five. That's that's what I would have given it to, Way. Like, it's, it wasn't a great show, but the... The things that they really needed to get over, I think they got over, particularly in that third hour. We start with Paul from New Jersey, who says, This Elias Hardy feud broke 1,000 guitars and didn't draw a single dime. (laughs) Tom Phillips said the Symphony of Destruction match would be like no other match we've seen unless you watch the Symphony of Destruction match on the February 21st edition (laughs) of SmackDown. I feel like we get an Austin Powers joke at least once a month on WWE television. I bet you that's the last comedy Vince McMahon saw. Your (laughs) impression of Vince doing... Austin Powers is like gonna stay with me for a long time. That's an all timer. It's groovy, baby. It's groovy. <laughs> Dana Brooke recorded her first singles pinfall victory since September eighth, twenty nineteen, when she defeated Sarah Logan in the Hundred Years War. I'm happy AJ was victorious, but the show was a dumpster fire. Had to check out before the main event. 
Apparently, the final script was handed in 25 minutes before the show. If that's the case, it really showed tonight. Two money in the branks out of 10. <laughs> do you think Morrison cares about his terrible booking sense of returning? Or at this point in his career, do you think the paycheck solves that problem? I mean, like, yeah, it, the paycheck always makes things a little bit easier way, particularly like if you look at Morrison right now, like he is in a position where he's working with the guy that like they've had good chemistry in the past. I'm sure there's a friendship there with him and the Miz. And like he's not at the top of the card, but he's he's main event adjacent, you know, in, in this current storyline. So yeah, if I'm the Miz, if I'm Morrison, I'm happy picking up that check, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, where like there's no guarantee if he were on the independence or maybe in another company that he'd be able to make that money right now. The money is good, like the visibility is good, you know, mm-hmm. like he could be doing a lot worse. He could be on a two or five live or a twenty four seven title chase, mm. which I mean I guess we should revisit in a He could be in retribution. <laughs> oh my goodness. What would he be? Hoppy. You know? Springs. Springs, yes. <laughs> uh Tramp. Trampoline <laughs> trampoline. No, that's not no good. Yeah, man. Um I don't know. It's like I I I think when Morrison was announced to come back, I don't think any of us envisioned that he would be just, you know, sort of the, the fall guy for The Miz, the comedy guy, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like the jester in, in the team. Um, I, But at the same time, it's like, man, that's the game in this company, right? You do what you're told, and if you do it with a straight face and if you do a good job of it, do it, you know, if you take that bump off of that clothesline in a nice enough way, maybe at some point they'll throw mm-hmm. you a bone. That's the hope, at least. Um. Can't t- really tell you what he's thinking, but I can tell you from watching the performance, it does not at all look like he's not motivated. Like he feels like he's like giving it his all, like doing whatever. Yeah, and I think like realistically, like yes, we loved uh, Morrison's run in uh, Impact and and even in like Lucha Underground to a certain extent. But I think if I'm John Morrison, I'm looking at this realistically way. Like I've already been in this company before. I know walking back in. I'm not going to be at the top of the mountain. Like, even with somebody like Drew McIntyre, who you know Vince loves. Like, it took Drew a while when he returned from Impact to get to where he is now. So, like, yeah, like, just collect that check, you know, make other people look good, and who knows, maybe a year from now, something else opens up. Do you want me to read our final piece of feedback here? I I will continue the tradition we started last week, Way, and and allow you to read the the final piece of feedback. Oh, I thank you. We go to Johnny, who says... (laughs) So the most dastardly thing Sheamus could do to Drew McIntyre right now is to be the reason why Drew no longer has the championship, which presumably would mean that The Miz would be the beneficiary of that angle. So my question is, for you two gentlemen, is what direction do you think we are heading in between now and WrestleMania? Do you think Miz holds it for a bit and Drew wins it back again, or is Miz walking into WrestleMania with the championship? There is a 10-year-old redemption story here that the WWE can play on with The Miz in 2011 being the afterthought. Whether the audience would be interested in that or not, I don't know. Mm. So we talked about it a little bit, way in in respect to Roman and Drew. Like, if if you can't get The Rock, if The Rock is too busy, you know, doing a movie or running the XFL or maybe doing a surprise appearance on the Rocky Mountain Picture Show, like if that was to happen in 2021, who knows? Anything can happen, Waiting. Uh, but if you can't, if you can't get DJ, then I think the two matches I would have for WrestleMania would be Drew versus Roman as your main event. And then like maybe like maybe it's Miz or maybe it's AJ, but either way I'd have Big E challenging for the other title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I 
You know, I really, it's hard for me to see The Miz heading to WrestleMania as champion. And quite frankly, it's actually difficult for me to see The Miz as champion at all. Mm. Like, he is just such a comedy character. And again, he's better than Otis in this position. But he's also the type of character who can afford a loss of a Money in the Bank title and doesn't really hurt him. I'll argue him winning the the title won't really help him all that much either. Like, he's just kind of pigeonholed at this point in that level where... He's largely a comedy guy, but he could be serious when he, you know, he has bursts of seriousness when you want him, when you want that from him. And I think I, the only advantage to Miz way is if you want to protect Drew in a loss. If you want to protect Drew in a loss, what do you mean? In that, like, it, it wouldn't be a clean loss if, if Miz mm, okay. cashes in the money in the bank. And that way you can have Drew without the title maybe go face Roman. Like, if that's your end game, that's the only way I see the Miz cash in working. Because you're right, like nobody really wants to see a Miz title run. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that would work perfectly fine, and then it's it's hard for me to see the Miz versus somebody like, oh man, like your next level guy on Raw, like at WrestleMania. So it might be a case where I would probably take the belt off of the Miz right away at the February show or something. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's interesting. It, it it continues to be you know a, an interesting piece in play that we don't it, fully know the answers to. I would love if it, I know, like I know it wouldn't be for a long time probably, but I would love if instead of going back to Orton or even somebody like Keith Lee or Riddle, who I think will be champions down the road, but not right now. Like if it went to AJ and we did find a way to get to AJ versus Big E, like I think that'd be a fun matchup. It would be actually that'd be great. So I think that wraps it up, Nate. Um overall a a two hour 45 minutes of raw that sorry one hour 45 minute raw that was in your opinion pretty good yeah i would say like there's there's like 80 to 90 minutes of a really strong show over this three hour period way (laughs) and and i think like that's that's raw in a nutshell like there are some good elements week to week but overall the show is just really long so i'm glad that i could you know, at least provide John a bit of a break for these past couple of weeks and, and spare him these three three hours. Well, that is the big question. How much of Raw will you be watching going forward? Oh, I think I'll return back to my normal Raw viewing habits way, which consists of flipping between the channels uh, during Monday Night Football and, and the Rachel Maddow show and watching Twitter and, and reading the reviews online and seeing what segments I need to go back and watch. Seems like a... Seems like a good way to experience, I would say, the show, like uh, interspersed with political commentary. So uh, I definitely hope to be able to catch up with you very soon, Nate, about your thoughts on current uh, main roster WWE. But uh, for people who want to follow perhaps some of these brilliant, uh, you know, world uh, attention grabbing tweets of yours, where can they find that? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at in the number eight M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic and and. You can uh, join the ranks of the Hamill fans out there with once the, you know, the, the Hamilton official page retweeted me. You know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm being exposed to a whole new audience way. Uh, and then speaking of Hamilton, like if you want to hear more from me, you can check out the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport uh, with Marcus Vandenberg and myself, where our most recent upload is our very first Movie Live Watch, where I was joined by Brittany Monet and Vanessa Shark from the Black Lightning podcast, and we watched Hamilton. And we, you know, basically, it, it's three hours away of us singing along to the musical 
and making jokes about fashion back then and getting into some political commentary and, and basically just, you know, having fun watching Hamilton. It's uh, available both on the uh, Patreon for five bucks, but also we put it out on the free feed on Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, you can check that out. And if you like what you hear, consider dropping that dropping that five dollars we're not even gonna get you for that whole hamilton way we're not even taking that whole 10 just just half a ham can get you (laughs) (laughs) half a ham can get you on the kings of sport patreon uh the other things i got going again like uh rocky my via picture show right here on post wrestling we're back in january with fast and furious seven uh so that that'll be a fun show to kick off 2021 with Uh, i'm on the main event over at place to be nation I've got the Black Lightning podcast over at DCTV Podcast. Uh, it's a bunch of stuff. Like, I, I'm doing voiceovers now, so if you like this voice and you'd like to have it on, on your brand or, or, you know, use it for your nonprofit or, or whatever, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter and we can talk about that. So uh, in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K is where you can find me. And uh, with, with that way, I think I'm going go uh, go to go to back to napping now. Well, first, I want to say uh, you can really – impress Nate's niece by following him not just on Twitter but mm. also on Instagram and where can people find that's, him? That's right. I need to get these these IG numbers up, fam. So yeah, you can check me out on the gram at uh, Black Nate B-L-A-Q-U-E underscore in the number eight because I wanted to make it as difficult as possible for people to, <laughs> to find me on uh, Instagram. So Black Nate on Instagram is where you can find me and uh, yeah, so like I, I go through through spells of, of, of posting on Instagram way. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, Liv Morgan's push. Like, it'll be really <laughs> hot for a couple days, and then I won't post anything for a month. Like, I noticed today, uh, like, I posted a couple things over this Thanksgiving week, and I hadn't posted since Chadwick Boseman passed, and that was months ago. And so it's like, oh, yeah, like, I, I, I'm kind of sporadic, hit or miss on Instagram, but when I do post way, yeah. I always have something good for the people. You know, I've really started to post a lot more on Instagram, but not like with uh, actual posts, but I've been storying a bit more often. Mm. I, I think you would love stories, especially like the music function. Like people who follow the post-wrestling account, always, like if you have your sound on, you, you might know how annoying I am with like putting music on <laughs> all of our posts. But it's the most fun thing. It's like, you know, me like being able to like play, a, like I have a, a jukebox of like the world's mm. songs that I could play like 10 second clips of. I think you would love it. I'll have to check that out. Oh, I, I just remembered, Way. I, like, you started talking about music, and my mind immediately, because we are in the season, went to Mariah Carey, because it is. It's like Mariah Carey season, uh, these damn Christmas songs. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be doing something on the Patreon starting, I want to say, December 13th, 12th or the 13th. Uh, and it's going to be called the 12 Casts of Christmas. And uh, basically what Cass that's going to be, or the 12 Casts of Christmas. <laughs> Cats, uh, no, okay. Yeah, the 12 Cats of Christmas, that's a Natalia thing. <laughs> I can't step on her gimmick. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to pick my favorite 12 shows from 2020, and we're going to post that every day, you know, leading up to Christmas uh, on the Patreon. So it'll be, like, shows where Wade's been on, shows where John's been on, shows with me and Marcus, shows with, you know, a bunch of my, my friends in the podcast community. So, like, I, I still don't know what uh, my top 12 shows are at this moment, but uh, that'll be out on the Patreon 
later this month, the uh, 12 Casts of Christmas. 12 Casts of Christmas. So go, so go and check it out. We have the uh, Kings of, P- of Sport Patreon linked into the show description. So you just click on that to find that. Uh, and, you know, since it's that season, maybe, Nate, you can uh, say hi to uh, our, our mutual friend Braxton Witherspoon at some point. For mm. me, these next Yeah, I, I haven't heard from uh, Braxton and the Smart Marks for a while. I think what happened way they were doing a tour in Tokyo, and once the pandemic popped off, they had to stay overseas. So hopefully we will hear from them uh, in, in this holiday season. <laughs> I can only hope. Uh, so that wraps it up, everybody. This show is nearing two hours, and we know how people can be critical of uh, these shows being a little too long. So mm. maybe we should wrap it up right about now. We will uh, first of all, you can listen to John Pollock return with Dave Meltzer tomorrow on the free feed. So download that, and then I'll be back with Bruce Lord on Wednesday for Rewind to Dynamite Moxley versus Omega. Uh, Nate, last word goes to you. Oh well, thank you for having me as always, Way. It's always fun. Uh, looking forward to uh, the return of the king, John Pollock, and I'll just uh, leave everybody out there uh, with with this. Uh, if if you're going to, I started thinking about Hoppy. Like, there's a lot going through my mind. Way <laughs> bro nuts. Like this show took a lot out of me, but I will say, and Way said it before, naps naps are your friend. So if you can get a nap in sometime this week, do it. <laughs>